Friends, today I'm going to introduce you to Casey Stein. She is. She's Zoe's mom. And she always will be. And today we're going to talk about a hard subject. We're going to talk about navigating loss and kind of the aftermath of that loss and what happens. And we're hopefully going to give everybody a little bit of language and encouragement to reach out to somebody that maybe wants a loved one brought up today. Let's get into it. Welcome, Casey. I'm glad you're here. I'm so glad to be here too, Chaos. Tell us a little bit about you. <laughs> I am a engineer by trade, a mechanical engineer, chemical engineer, work in research and development. I was married for 16 years and got divorced in 2019. And in my wonderful years of marriage, we had a lovely daughter and her name was Zoe and she was the light of my life. Um, but she passed away from cancer. So that's that kind of defines me when people say who I am. It's either they're asking me in like a work aspect of I'm an engineer and I run the lab and I do great things or I'm bereaved mom I guess that's the way I put it because that's the other part of me so I don't say I'm a fur baby mom because I do have three dogs but I I had a daughter and yeah that's who I am as a human as a person as still part of me even though she's not though he was a remarkable little human like truly shaped so many people's worldview in a better way yeah it's so surprising to me how much she impacted everybody like i had no i, I like i knew she was special to me she was a little girl but she was always so stinking happy and just loved everybody and I, I she just wanted to give everything to everyone and I didn't realize how much people took away when she was fighting cancer she just changed the lives of so many people around the world and I had no idea I was just like I was not expecting this I was just expecting us to stay in our little bubble and try not to impact her friends and try not to impact her friends families and just keep everybody around us safe and secure i guess navigating loss of that magnitude is something that most people don't have to do and yeah. few people want to talk about yeah uh i follow a bunch of different people on instagram and i've met a bunch of bereaved moms throughout the years and most of our kids um, have had uh, the brain tumor that Zoe had. Some of them had different types of cancers. And we all handled it differently when we lost our kids. And you don't know how it's going. You don't know how you're going to react. You don't know how you're going to handle it. You could think, oh, I'll be okay. I'll do therapy. It'll be fine. And you're just like, I don't know no, no therapist. I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to do anything. I want to go shut down in my black hole. And it's a complete, it's a complete space that no one really knows what you're walking into. It's like parenthood. There's really no book for parenthood. There's no book for managing as to what happens after you have the loss of that magnitude. 
But you did. You did navigate it. Yeah. Yeah. I went on a very nice bender. I will admit that. I It was a rough month after. And then I was like, I have to go back to work. I have to do something with my life. And I have to figure out how to manage. Because the only reason I kept waking up in the morning was to let Zoe's dog out. Because I got her a dog right before she passed away, Juniper. And if it wasn't for Juno, I don't know where I would be right now. That dog literally is the only reason I woke up in the morning for weeks. I want to just hold the space here for that because there's a few things that strike me as meaningful about. It wasn't easy. And so anybody that's, I think I'm going to be able to manage whatever is coming next in life. Yeah. But having a reason to get out of bed is a good thing. Yeah. And you had, yeah. Yeah. And still, when I still have my bad days now, I still have Juno who sits and her brother and sister, but Juno will still sit there and be like, you need to feed me. And get me outside and make sure I get my butt up and get out of bed. When you think about best next step taking, I feel like when you're in the fight, it's you and Zoe against cancer and like you're in it. You had a lot of things that you had to navigate in that moment. I imagine that there's somebody listening who is in the midst of navigating scary things health-wise. Mm-hmm. How did you do it in a way that felt like you're proud looking back at how you did it? Starting the journey, her father and I, we chose to do treatment that would give her the best life possible because there was different types of chemotherapy and surgeries that could be very detrimental to her life and she loved school and her she loved her friends so we wanted to make sure that she could still do these things so that was the first thing is make sure she is happy with life and has that outlook and then the next thing was make tiny goals so I remember the first tiny goal was be home for Christmas because we were in Germany for the first three months. And I was like, my first goal is be home for Christmas. So that was our goal. And then the next goal was graduate preschool and then do the dance recital and then get through summer and then our trip to California. And then it was graduate kindergarten. And that was the biggest goal we had was graduate kindergarten. Uh, And once we hit those milestones. It's just, oh, we did it. And this is where we are. And this is, okay, we can go and we can make another little milestone and we can go a little bit further and we can do a little bit more. And it just, when you're given, we were given a prognosis of nine months and we lasted two years to the day. And it's just, we didn't think we'd even, I didn't even think she'd go to kindergarten and she would be a cheerleader. And she would dance in a dance recital. She was up on stage. And the morning of her dance recital, we were in the hospital. And she has a, her IV hooked into her port. And I'm putting makeup on. Her hair's up in her bun. Her leotard's half on. And, and I was like, they held the dance recital. And they pushed her routine so she could make it. 
And I was like, that was the first big milestone that we had for her. And then the next one was kindergarten. But it's just, they were only like maybe two months, like a two month, that's my goal. Two month, that's my goal. Yeah. There's fear for people to bring up people when the losses, it doesn't get lighter. I don't, not in my experience. And I'm curious from your perspective, like how does it change being a bit farther away from it? And then how do you feel about people bringing Zoe up? I love when people bring her up. I love when we went to my friend's house the other day and there was a picture of Zoe and her daughter on the fridge. And I haven't been to see that friend since 2019. And I didn't expect that to be there. And I was like, they they never took it down. And I just love, I love when they brought it up. And I love when I see coworkers and they're like, oh yeah, so my kid's doing this and I offer my two cents. So they're like, oh yeah, I never thought about that when my kid's this age and everything. And because I did, we, I went through five years. It was a not normal five years, but it was still normal-ish. But that's, that's the one thing is I don't want people to forget about her. So I'm really happy when people bring her up. As it's gone along, it has gotten easier for me to not feel as awkward when I bring her up. I could see on their faces when I would talk to them and I would bring up her, bring up so they would get like really upset and sad. And I was like, no, it's, it's good. I love talking about her. She is my light. She is light to me. And it's, it was hard in the beginning being around children, being around my family, my nieces and nephews. And it's gotten easier as we've gone on. I am the fun aunt now where I play Nerf Gun Wars with everybody. And because that's what I used to do was, oh, as we would play Nerf Gun Wars. So now I play Nerf Gun Wars with the, my other nieces and nephews. It's gotten easier with that aspect over time. So it's it changes. It's an easier feeling. It's still a heavy feeling. And I always think, oh, what the heck would I buy her for Christmas this year? I have no idea what the heck I would buy her for Christmas this year. Would be Would she be a Swifty? I don't know. I would that scares me if she was a Swiftie. <laughs> I just not I'm not sure, but yeah, it's just it changes. It definitely changes. In some ways it's good, some days it's bad, but it it's an ever flowing process. Have you ever been in a spot where you're like, I'd rather not talk about? Yes. Talking to customers because I have customers that come in and when they bring up their children I stay mute on the subject because I'm like I don't want to have to open this can of worms with you this is a professional setting I may never see you again in my entire life we don't need to deal with this and then there's other customers where I was doing something for someone and I found out they're like yeah his daughter's sick he can't come up and I was like I just have a sinking feeling and his daughter had DIPG so I reached out to him on a personal level. Yeah. And yeah, because I was like, that's a different aspect. But they're like the professional aspect of it, I usually don't talk about it. If it's a work thing, a customer thing, a conference, I don't bring that up. You go to my LinkedIn and 
Zoe's co-founders there. The details are there, but I don't need to talk about that with you when I'm at an engineering conference. That's a completely separate subject that we just don't need to bring up with a bunch of geeky people. I think there's some generosity in that for everybody and that like you are still you in all of these places. All of the past is still true, but it doesn't have to be like the thing that you're wearing out on your sleeve for everybody to digest 100% of the time. Yeah. I think that there's a pressure to be more transparent, more authentic or whatever that is bordering on boundaryless. It's like, no, I think it's really lovely that you have, I've, have established these parameters that feel good for me on where I show up. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's just because not everybody, like you said, the yes, I want to be my authentic self out there when I'm working with somebody, but I don't need to. I need boundaries. Everybody needs boundaries. We don't need to know what's going on in everybody's household all the time. It doesn't need to be like that. And still show everybody a nice amount of respect. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Tell me about Zoe's Light. So Zoe's Light is this organization that her ex-husband and I started where we're just like, if we don't do something, she's going to come back and haunt us. And it's not going to be okay. <laughs> um, that was the fear was that, she, yeah, literally she's going to come back and haunt us and be like, why aren't you doing anything with us? We were very lucky when we were fighting and our Facebook page at the time to give everybody updates was called Zoe's Fight. To us, Zoe is a light. She is the sun, the moon, the stars. She is my everything. She was her father's everything. And we changed Zoe's Fight into Zoe's Light because she loved everything. She loved going to doctors. She loved when people came over, whether it was just the mailman or her PT or OT or speech. She loved giving things to people. We would donate toys and books every few months. Like she would just get so much stuff from so many people. She's, I was like, do you want that? She, no, I was like, okay, donate it. Where do you want to give it to? And she's let's give it to the hospital kids. Let's give it to this people. She gave spoons away from my house once. Like she was the... She was just a giving human being. And because so many people helped us go to Germany, go out to California, she wanted to touch the moon. We got a trip to DC so she could touch the moon at DC at the Smithsonian. We took everything that we had and we turned Zoe's fight into Zoe's light to be able to help families in our area do those things. We help pay for medical bills. We help pay for plane tickets to places, for hospital and hotel stays. We pay for rent, families that need wheelchairs or wagons or mobility aids or iPads. I get a request for a flight change so somebody can get her mom home because her child's declining and her mom's in a different country right now. So it's just, we get requests from so many people in the Rochester area, whether it's just the people or it's from the home care teams that we work with that I have this kid who just he's 17 and he can't talk but he needs the cell phone can you do something and I was like oh yeah we can get him a cell phone that's not a problem that's it's just it's how it's what we do if we ask for something people would give us their arms if we asked for their arms so we 
I feel compelled that I have to do this for her because she was such a light. She really was. When you think about the impact that her light continues to make, how are you celebrating those little touch points? It's amazing that it's been going on for, it's five years. And the fact that it's still happening in I just, I talk to people and I tell people about what I do. I wear my Zoe's Light shirt to work almost every single day in October. So that way, new people that I work with, oh, what's that? And I tell them. So I just spread the word. Uh, But usually I'll buy some more stuff for people because that's just what I love to do personally is I'm a giver. And so, oh, we made it five years. What do we want to do? Let's throw a celebration at Galasano's. Let's give the care team something special. Let's buy this giant toy for this family. I don't extra things. Like that's my celebrations of, oh, we made it another year. We made it another birthday. It's been another milestone. I just, I usually go all out and overspend and buy something for for people too much. That's how I do. You mentioned that you got divorced. I'm wondering if you'd be open to talking about that. Yeah. Yeah, I would be. I can talk about it. What most people don't know was we were not okay from before Zoe was sick. So the day before Zoe was sick and we found out she had a brain tumor was the day I asked for a divorce. And navigating that... Going through couples counseling, trying to make sure our daughter's okay, and trying to see if we can work and rebuild through the entire two-year process was an interesting scenario. Um, Yeah. Yeah, there was, like, I I wish, I I adore my ex-husband. I love him, just I don't love him like I should love him. I, I wish him all the happiness and I know he's happier now. I know we're both are happier now. But at the time with the stress and then with the grief, it was just so hard to try to manage and work around because you I just felt like we were just walking in like shadows of each other and neither one of us were healthy or functioning properly. And I knew Zoe was going to pass. I, I knew she was going to pass when she graduated kindergarten. And I was like, okay, that's going to be this summer. I, I had an instinct. And it was the acceptance from me was a lot harder for some people to take. They're like, how can you? They thought I was giving up. And that was hard for me. It drove a little bit more of a rift in between things. But you don't know, like we talked about in the beginning, you don't know how you're going to handle a passing of this magnitude. And when she passed, Ben and I, we went on this trip to Europe. We did, we called it the farewell tour. We went to all the places we went to and wanted to go to with her. Um, We scattered her ashes at the base of the Eiffel Tower, which is illegal, by the way. Do not recommend on that. Yeah, Yeah, don't recommend that. But we did this amazing, beautiful trip together at the end, just me and him. And it just, 
we still just weren't grieving the same way. And that's really hard to live with. And sometimes it brings things together and sometimes it tears things apart. And I think after all the trauma and everything, we tried and it just didn't. We were two different people at that time going in two different directions. That's a thread that I'm hearing a lot as I'm having more conversations with people about this idea of you go through something like a loss or like anything that's life-changing and you find that you're not who you were. Yeah. Even if other people have changed or not, like the congruence that once existed is no longer. Giving ourselves that grace to say things are different now. And now I get to choose again. Like there's generosity in that. Mm -hmm. I was trying to, I was having a conversation with a cousin of mine over the weekend. And I have memories that they don't have. And I felt really sad about that. Oh, but you don't know this person the way that I did or at all. And I found myself going down a space. How do you bring Zoe alive to people that didn't get to know her better in your life today? The easiest way that I bring her alive is when you walk into my house and you're a new friend of mine and there's a giant picture of her on the wall or there's her Lammy, which I took with her. And she took with her everywhere. She's a part of my house and she's a part of my life. If I bring up, if I have people talking like, oh, yeah, we're thinking about having kids. I was like, oh, yeah. So this is my scenario with having kids. And they ask me about, oh, how old is daughter? I was like, I am the odd explanation. My, my daughter passed away. But I was like, she was an amazing little firecracker. And I think that I relay how much of a wonderful, exuberant child she was just by talking about her and just by my facial expressions. At least that's what it feels like internally to me is I just smile when I talk about her. And I hope that people feel that's what's happening is like she was a great little tiny sparkler of a human being. So, Yeah. If you were to give someone a piece of advice, navigating a hard moment, of taking a best next step in any point that you've personally navigated, what advice would you give? Oh, set, breathe, and think about it. Don't think about the future with it. Just think about the now. Okay, so we did this best step. How does that make you feel? Imagine you actually did that. How do you feel in your gut? Do you feel okay? Is it scary? It's gonna, it's gotta be scary. No matter that's change is always scary. But I always tell people just think and breathe. And if five minutes, 10 minutes, the next day, this is still what you think is going to be the best for you, then go for it. But don't make a rash decision. Don't say, yep, we're doing that right now. No, sit, breathe. I am a very analytical person, so I research everything and research all my options. So I'd be like, do you have a pros and cons list? What's the, 
I'd go all nerdy with you. Do you have a spreadsheet? What's the outcome going to be? Where do you see yourself in five years? But yeah, I just tell people, sit, breathe. Don't make anything rash. Wait until tomorrow. Sleep on it at night and see how you feel. And then go. Very little requires us to be impulsive. Yeah, I know. I don't look back at a lot of my impulsive decisions and be like, oh, that was strong. That was a good idea. I don't have a lot of those in the arsenal. No. Casey, I really appreciate you coming on and talking about best next steps. And of course, it's always like, I appreciate you.